May the words of my mouth and the meditations of your hearts be acceptable to our Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer, our cornerstone, amen. You may be seated. If you have a bulletin, you might want to open it up to the back, well, to the uh, back cover. There's an outline of our sermon for today included in there for you to look at and follow along. I don't know how many of you have uh, heard the pure, well, you all have heard the pure Michigan advertisements, haven't you? Uh, on TV or the radio. How many of you have heard that? Pure Michigan, Tim Allen talking about the beauties of, crea of the world here in Michigan, telling the world, hey, come here, spend your money right that's the idea of that and if I didn't live in Michigan I'd want to come to Michigan right and I think you would too I, I, I saw one recently on gone fishing you know and Tim Allen just makes it sound so relaxing so wonderful so many lakes just gone fishing kind of makes you go to sleep just thinking about it right and I thought about that as uh, when, when Jesus gave that charge in calling his disciples, he said, I will make you fishers of men. And usually when we think of fishing, we think of uh, basically one notch above doing nothing, right? Letting your line get wet, and if you catch something great, if you don't, no problem. But uh, when Jesus talked about becoming fishers of men, it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't be lazy. It wasn't be check out. It wasn't disconnect. It was just the opposite. Fishing, especially fishing for a profession, involved hard work. It meant getting up early, being intentional. And when you catch them, you got to clean them and do all of that work. Fishing meant anything but getting away, disconnecting or wasting time meant hauling in the weight of natural fibers of nets, not using a pole like we do today. And actually, from the Old Testament point of view, the idea of fishing was really a violent occupation. It meant a time of judgment. It meant taking a being out of the murky, chaotic sea, which the Old Testament people saw the sea as, and the waters as, and taking him out of that environment, leading to a death of the fish, and then being a cause for new life. In fact, Jeremiah writes this on Jeremiah 16, verses 16 and 17. He says, Behold, I'm sending for many fishers, fishermen, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rock, for my eyes are on their ways. In other words, God is saying there's a mission here to deliver people out of the dominion of darkness and that people would be brought into the kingdom of light and of his beloved son. And that's what would have been the idea of becoming fishers of men. Today I want to bring us back to that calling. And after a year and a half or however long it's been of COVID where we've been, you know, disconnected and disengaged in a lot of different ways, I want to reconnect us to the mission that God has called you, God has called me, and God has called those in the sanctuary and those online too. We are called to be fishers 
of men. To deliver people out of the darkness of a sin-captivated life into the light of Jesus Christ. And it's not gone fishing, but really sent fishing. The word apostello means to send forth. The apostles were sent out, and God sends his people from life with him into the world. John 21 is a great chapter of the Bible, and a little sometimes misunderstood. It's after the it's after the resurrection of Jesus. John says, after this. We don't know how long it was. We don't know how many days it was after the resurrection. But Peter and the disciples are wrestling with something. This Jesus thing isn't really what they signed up for. They were with the show for three years. They were with Jesus, and they saw this crescendo of miraculous things come about, and finally, boom, ended, changed, transformation, as Jesus is crucified. And then this word that he's resurrected, and they went back to fishing. I don't know how often you deal with the issue of challenges that ultimately come. But they do come for every single one of us. There's challenges that come. And it's not being living a challenge-free life. It's what do we do with the challenges that are before us? And God says, what, are, what will you do with the challenges that are before you? And I don't know how many of you think sometimes deep down inside it didn't turn out the way I thought. This life just didn't turn out the way I dreamed about it. My marriage is uh, not what I thought when I said I do. It's just not. My kids love them, but it's not what I thought. The kids are leaving. It's not what I thought. Not the way I thought life would be. And if those kinds, if those are some of the things that, uh, where your hopes and your dreams on fulfillment are changed inside of you, you're right where God wants you to be. Because God's people struggled with that all the time. We see it right here in John chapter 21. And God's people struggled. And uh, in, in light of that, they said, well, let's do something less than following God. Let's do plan B. And Peter says to the rest of the disciples, let's go back to fishing. That's what we know. Fishers of men stuff? Mm. Let's go back to fishing. And maybe you've given yourself to plan B because you get disillusioned with plan A. But Peter is delusioned with the whole Jesus things. He saw all those great things that happened, and then he remembered this encounter he had where three times he said, hmm, I don't know Jesus. I don't know you, Jesus. And that was the last look, if you remember the Gospels. The third time he said it, the rooster crowed, and Jesus looked at him. And that's the last time he saw Jesus alive because he fled the crucifixion. And now he's on the shores of the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. It's really just a lake for us, but uh, they called it the sea. And he's fishing, hiding probably 
because he didn't know what was going to happen to him. And if they came after Jesus, he figured they're coming after us too. Not knowing what to do, trying to find some food, and to top it all off, fishing all night and caught nothing. <laughs> right? It's a re and then some guy on the shore says to him, hey, how much you catch? Right? I hate that. Don't you ever go fishing and somebody asks you how many you got? You know, uh, fishing does that. It makes people just ask, a kind of, and I do it too. I see somebody fishing. How you doing, right? How you fishing? And they you know, either say nothing and uh, get out of here or like, they'll show us what you got or whatever. But uh, this guy from the shore says, how much you catch? And he said, nothing. Hey, try it on the right side of the boat. Okay, right? They try it, and this miraculous catch of fish, 153, somebody who was there knew about it, writing as a first-hand account, and then the light bulb goes on. It's Jesus. And there's this awkward conversation that goes on. They have breakfast together, some fish on the shore, and then a conversation that happens and follows. And I, that's what I want to walk through with you a little bit right now. Because Jesus is, is saying to Peter, Peter, don't sell out in going backwards. Yes, there's a new reality. There's a different reality in place where Christ, the living Christ, wouldn't be with his disciples. But that does not change the mission at all. In other words, the outward circumstances don't change the internal mission of God ever. And he says, Peter, do you really care about what I care about? You see, what follows is there's this interesting encounter. And if you had a Bible, you could open it up to John 21, verse 15. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And you, the NIV translation of the Bible says, truly love, do you truly love me? Because Jesus uses a word agape, which is one of the three words of uh, the New Testament in Greek for love. And, and this is this volitional, I'm gonna love this person no matter what, whether they deserve it, whether they've earned it, whether they're, they're responding to me or, or not. I'm just going to love. I've made this commitment, this this. Uh, this life commitment to love. It's what is used for God's love for us, where God says, I will love people, period. When they mess up, that doesn't change it. It saddens me, but I love people. And Jesus says, Peter, do you truly love me? And Peter responds back with a little different word. He says the word phileo, which is Philadelphia, brotherly love, friendship. And he basically says, Jesus, you're my best friend. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep, Peter. And then Jesus says it again, second time, do you truly love me? Same word, agape. I don't know, has anybody ever asked you that? Do you love me? That's a, <laughs> that's a bad question, isn't it? <laughs> because what are they telling you? There's a question here. I'm not sure. I'm not sure of where our relationship's at here. And you don't want your spouse to ask that question of you. I don't think. You don't want your kids to ask you that question. You certainly don't want your God to ask you that question. 
right? But Jesus says, Peter, do you truly love me? And Peter says, Jesus, again, you're my best friend. You know I love you. And to be honest with you, that word love, agape, and phileo can be used interchangeably. And maybe Peter is saying, Jesus, you know you mean more to me than anything else. But then Jesus asked it the third time. And the third time he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Are you my best friend? And this triple question would have triggered all kinds of emotions and Peter, not just the question of love, but also three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times there's a number of instances in the Bible where Peter does something foolish and he just falls down. He says, Jesus, you know I love you. But every time Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. And what he's really saying is, Peter, do you care about the things I care about? If you do, follow me. And if there's one thing that's ever in the Bible, it's that God is, Jesus is all about people. He's about people who are sick. He's about people who can't hear. He's about people who can't speak. He's about people who uh, fail miserably in life, who fail publicly in life, who fail privately in life, who are self-centered and, and hypocritical in their lives. He says, I'm here for people. And he's calling Peter and the disciples to say, this is the mission. We're here to help people. We're here to help people be delivered from uh, the darkness of sin and, and self-centeredness, and they need to be fed. They need to be fed. Give yourself to that. He's talking about giving yourself to the needs and the nourishment of people. And you and I need to be, remember that. That's what we're here for. That's what we're called to. Uh, Jesus never said, you know, hey, Judas, you're the treasurer of the operation. How much money we got in the treasury? We got a surplus? Uh, you know what? Let's buy this uh, mountaintop over there so we can build this Jesus library so people remember me forever. Did he? He never said anything like that. Nothing. But he went to the cross. Willingly. Planfully, even though it meant physical hardship and torture and suffering the abandonment by his heavenly father for the sacrifice of sin so people would be delivered, so people would be redeemed. And he's saying, Peter, I will know you love me when you care about people. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. And that's just not something for Peter. That's for you. That's for me. Something very personal. And so you, what does it mean for your next business transaction, maybe tomorrow? It much, goes much deeper than just a sale, isn't it? It means really to help your client with whatever good and service you have so that they can live their life better. It means something for your parents. It means much more than just getting the kids to practice, right? 
but somebody needs to teach your little boy how to be a man. Somebody needs to teach your little girl how to be a little girl and a big girl. And somebody needs to teach a young person what it means to be a man or a woman of God. And somebody needs to teach us who are maybe more advanced down the road, what's in, what are you getting ready for your next challenge? That's what makes the word of God so applicable, no matter what stage of life it is. It has the living presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to guide us and to redeem us and to call us back to what he truly cares about. For yourself, but also for us together. What, what does Jesus care about? What does God want St. Matthew Lutheran Church to care about? But people and their growth and their nourishment and their growth in the kingdom of God. And he says, give yourself to that. Give yourself to that in the midst of all kinds of changes and all kinds of uncertainties and in all kinds of disillusionment and in every kind of heartache. That's the cause. Gone, sent, fishing. And to people who are in forest hills. And that's called going where Jesus calls you. He calls us to go. There's Peter again and the disciples. And I, I think, and Jesus says, do you love me more than these? And I kind of wondered, what, what are the these Jesus is talking about? Do you love these more than these? And actually, there's kind of a clue there. Jesus, Peter is with five other named disciples and two unnamed disciples. And I've been told that whenever a writer says there's unnamed people, you know who's in the story? You are. That's to say, you're in here. You're in the boat too. And you've hauled in the you've hauled in the mother load of catches, and 153 of them, besides the ones that are broiling on the uh, charcoal fire. And what are you giving yourself to? You see, Easter was uh, weeks ago. No one has seen Jesus for a while, and for them to do what Peter is suggesting, would they go off mission, off uh, fishing for men? Would they do that? Or would they settle for next best? Go back to fishing for fish. Not that that's necessarily bad or wrong, but it's off target. It's off mission. It's off what God had called them for. Do you love me more than these? I interpret that to say Jesus is saying, do you love me more than fish? These fish. You love me more than that. See, what causes you, what tempts your heart to be stolen from your God? What tempts you to give your life to another good but lesser God? That's what this is being asked of us today. What takes you off target? What takes you off mission? And Jesus makes this announcement that that sort of thinking needs to be challenged. And it's good for us to be challenged. 
because that kind of thing happens to us too. Maybe they were hungry, uh, and maybe they had walked away. But Peter had been called to do with his life of being, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is the call of Jesus to you and to me too, not something less than that. So give yourself to what's good, what's right, what's holy. Care about what Jesus cares about. This is what Jonah forgot, didn't he? Jonah, uh, yes, he ended up going where God had told him to go, but not from here. He did it physically. He went to Nineveh, but it made him angry that people actually listened to the word of God and believed it because he wanted people hurt. He wanted people punished. And Jesus calls us to move into the deep of tomorrow, loving and caring about the things of God and going where he calls us to go, where that daily life calls us to. And how do you do that? Trusting in Jesus' care for you. Trust that Jesus will care for you. Because the tension is, because the thinking goes like this. Yes, I understand what God is saying. I hear it. I know it. I, I probably believe it. But I'm going to do this one. Because you know what? I got to do this so that I can do this. And that inverted thing leads our hearts astray. And so our work becomes our goal. Our, our money becomes our God. Our pleasing people becomes what we're worried about. Even this life and keeping this life becomes our greatest goal. And Jesus says, there's something more. There's something more than that. Jesus is, uh, we've heard about the Last Supper. This is the last breakfast. It's about, and it's just about as important. And Jesus tells his disciples, you thought you had to go off mission to accomplish what God wants you to do. Guys, it's, all, it's upside down. And he'll provide generously. He gave them 153 fish in that, in that net, right? That's somebody who was there, probably John himself, saying that's what happened. God will give you what you need. That doesn't mean to be careless, stupid, uh, unplanning, or anything like that. It just means keep your heart in the right spot. And God will take care of you. God will provide for you. Follow Jesus with your head, your heart, and your hand, and he'll take care of you. What a dramatic example. So the next time you're tempted to go off mission, think 153. Think 153. You can trust God. And by the way, if you want to cast something, if you want to be a fisherman that's casting, cast your anxiety on Christ. At first Peter says, cast all your, and that literally means throw overboard. Throw overboard your anxieties. Again, we got them. They're part of our life. But cast them overboard because your worrying isn't going to solve them anyhow. I read a study that of the major countries of the world, the United States population is the most anxious country in the world. <laughs> the most affluent country in the world is the most anxious. And I know it affects us all. Worries are part of who we are. Cast all your cares on Christ, for he cares about you. Avoid comparison. 
avoiding comparison, I, I'm struck uh, by the first question and not exactly like the second question in this thing, but Jesus is asking the same questions of us. Uh, are you tempted to get off mission? Are you tempted to go for something less? And at the end of this, there's a very interesting little encounter where Jesus says to Peter, Peter, someday you're going to be led with your hands tied. And you're going to go some places you don't want to go. And he's talking about how Peter would die. And Peter says, well, what about, what about John? What about John? And Jesus says, well, I'm not talking to John right now. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Peter, care about what I care about. Peter, go where I have you, would have you go. And avoid comparison. Comparisons. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Care about people. And then the last thing is I thought about life in the boat because I, I did actually go charter fishing on Lake Michigan for a few weeks ago with my sons. It was kind of cool. Have you ever, I don't know if, you, that was a first for me. I've never gone out on the big lake fishing. And we caught a few uh, coho salmon and Chinook salmon. That was a real treat. Basically, you go out there and you just reel it in. They do all the work and uh, it's very fascinating to watch. But you're on, we had eight guys on a boat about this big, right? This is the space we were there. And uh, uh, fortunately, it only lasted a couple hours because I know we would have gotten on each other's nerves <laughs> after too much if we didn't catch fish all the time and we only caught three. But life in the boat requires planning and requires some intentions. And life together means living with other people, right? And what does God's word say? You can look at that from Romans chapter 14, verse 13. But let's read together Romans 14, verse 19. So are you in the sanctuary ready to go? So verse 19, it says, So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Can you read that last? So see it right down, down underneath there, right? So then, can you read it aloud with me? So then, mutual upbuilding. Okay, we're going to face a major change in this church in the not too distant future. I don't know when. We'll have a new senior pastor. Because of stage of life and need for long term leadership and vision, we'll be seeking a new senior, we are seeking a new senior pastor, and things will change. I hope you're praying about that. And it's gonna happen, and when it happens, it'll happen quickly. Because right now, we're just kind of trolling, and we're not catching anything, right? But sometimes, we'll find the right man God has. And there'll be a call, and then there'll be deliberation, and then by God's grace, it'll be accepted, and then the new will come. And I pray you can give God, I don't know what you feel about that. 
but you gotta be real about it. You gotta be ready for that. Because this chapter will come to a conclusion. And I pray it can be a joyous celebration of good things that God has done among us. And then lead us through this time of transition where we say, you know what? We have a new shepherd to lead us and to guide us. And to accept that pastor as the tender of the souls and the feeder of the sheep for this congregation. These are things to which you and I have been called to, to make for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Up but in the meantime, the mission changes nothing. We're still gonna be followers of Jesus wherever we are. We're still gonna engage with God's word together. And in the weeks to come, we'll, we'll study the Bible together as a, as a congregation. I don't know if you've watched The Chosen or you're familiar with that, but it's kind of a streaming TV uh, series about Jesus. But it, it'll open up the Bible to us. And I pray, if you're a person who likes it, I pray it leads you to grow closer to Christ. But we're, we're gonna look at the themes from that uh, each, each week. We're going to engage with God's people, spending time in prayer for each other and connectedness. And I pray you're a part of that. And I pray you're engaged in that. And we're engaged by serving, serving some way together, serving some way outside. These are the things which God has, <laughs> that will never change, right? Because that's the mission. Jesus said, do you love me more than these things? It's a good question for us. It's based on the promise that God loves us more than anything else. And he's given Christ to us so that we are redeemed from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his light. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we pray for good hearts. We pray for where we're disappointed, disillusioned, uh, not understanding, and maybe settling for less. Even in our maybe righteous thinking, that's where we are. So God, bring correction, bring connection, bring love for you and your word. And Father, may we and us and me become fishers of men. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.